An effective online presence is a critical part of your shop's growth and profitability, which is why it only makes sense to use the company that many top performing repair shops use, Leads Near Me. Leads Near Me blows up your phones with a strategic combination of killer websites, high converting Google ads, traffic driving social media posts, and more. Reach them by text or call 888-953-2379 or visit them online at leadsnearme.com. Leads Near Me, effortlessly increase car count. Conversations that are inspiring and educational for leaders in the automotive industry. This is Near Me Radio. Now, here's your host, Ryan Burton. Welcome to Near Me Radio, a podcast specifically designed for automotive professionals. I'm your host, Ryan Burton. Today, we're delighted to have a special guest with us, Rob Choicer, the founder of Choicer Automotive. Rob began his journey in the automotive industry in 2006, and since then has built a successful business that prioritizes customer service and employee well-being. Rob began his career as a mobile diagnostic business, visiting body shops and dealing with seatbelt resets and other diagnostic tasks. However, his business quickly evolved as customers requested more comprehensive car services. Today, Rob's company is called Choicer Automotive Services, a name that accurately represents their commitment to servicing automobiles and taking care of customers. Today, we'll delve deep into Rob's journey, understand his motivations for entering the automotive repair industry, and learn about his unique approach to business. We will also discuss Rob's new shop. Soon, he will open shop number two. And I want to dive into his challenges and give firsthand insight for shop owners who are looking to go to shop number two. We hope you enjoy this insightful conversation. And without any further ado, please welcome to the show, Near Me Radio, Mr. Rob Choicer. Rob, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Ryan. How are you? Thank you so much for this opportunity. Really happy to have you on the show. Great to talk to you today and um, look forward to to digging into things. So let's start. Let's just get out of here. Let's talk about what got you in auto. What got us here today? Give us a little bit of your automotive background. So it really started in eighth grade. Um, I was doing a science project that happened to be a number one cylinder out of a Honda motor. And uh, my stepfather helped me do that. But then it evolved to when I graduated from high school, I had opportunity to go to work at a Honda dealership and took every class that they would possibly send me to. Ultimately, um, ending my career in the dealership world after starting a new dealership at Honda of Bowie as the shop foreman. And um, about two and a half years after we opened that store, I realized that it was being run very much like the rest of the franchise dealerships. Um, and there's always purpose behind everything that they do. However, I wanted to have a better balance with my young boys at the time and thought that auto repair could be delivered better for the employees as well as for the customers. Tell me a little bit more about Choicer Automotive Services today. How big's the shop, bays, techs? Where are we at today with the business? Today, the store in Davidsonville is three bays plus an outdoor lift that we use um, occasionally. It's a heavier truck lift. Um, we have three technicians that are all master level, 
and we have a three-person front counter being a writer manager or operations manager as we call them. Um, his name's Chris and then a parts manager and a front counter assistant that helps with you know receiving customers and phone calls and checking customers out. Are you in the same location now that you were when you left being a mobile diagnostic business? That's correct. So I started the business in 2006, set up a service truck and you know had fully equipped with tools and tanks and evacuation machines and all that kind of stuff. Probably only did two oil change services uh, on the street. Most of what I was doing was diagnostic with my scan tool. But um, in 2013, we took over our current building after it had been empty for almost eight years. We had to do a big rehab to it, pouring new concrete floors, um, all new electricity, all that kind of stuff. And um, we moved in in March of 2014. Okay, so March of 2014. So I was about to ask about an anniversary. So we have that coming up next year. Will we celebrate 10 years in Davidsonville? That's correct. That's awesome. Uh, do you remember those first months? Talk to me about those early days. Uh, and, and how unique is it to go from being a mobile diagnostic business into having a, a, a facility like you have today? It was honestly a total change in the dynamic of business because I went from a solopreneur to someone with a new business, a storefront brick and mortar with employees. So your insurance has changed, your workers' comp changes, your liability changes, um, your hours change. Um, you know, I set the mobile up. Again, I had young boys at the time, so I could manipulate the schedule to accommodate their schedules. Um, but once you have a brick and mortar, you can't do that anymore. And we, we actually curtailed our hours. We didn't open until 8.30 for many, many years. But our customer base had come accustomed to that because that's when I – started the business. I started to drop the kids off between 8 and 8.15 so I could start working with customers at 8.30. Um, totally out of the box for auto repair, but when they realized there was a purpose behind those hours, they welcomed it and supported it. So it was very interesting. If you're transparent, people will meet you where you are, and then they will still provide uh, you with the opportunity to serve them if you're honest. So tell me about those first few months in business. What kind of, uh, how many people were there initially? What kind of revenue did you do in the first, uh, the early days of the shop? Moving in there with, to Davidsonville. Yeah. Um, actually, a few weeks before we moved in, my only technician had an opportunity to go to work for Tesla. And after setting all the electrical- in 2014? Like he was in the early days? Oh, wow. That's pretty in cool. The very man. early days. Nice. Yeah. But it was an opportunity I couldn't compete with, especially at that size. And, you know, we had set the, all the electrical outlets and everything up in the shop around this technician's toolbox because I was trying to make it uh, favorable for him. And again, but I just couldn't compete with that. And I encouraged him to pursue it. So I found myself going back into the shop when I was planning on writing service. Um, so it was, it was a very interesting dynamic and you learn from it. You learn that you have to have a bench of talent. Um, it takes a long time to build a bench of talent when you don't charge properly for your services. So you can't pay properly for your services. And these are all the little lessons that you learn as you go from technician into, you know, entrepreneurship, you know, you can create a job for yourself, but then ultimately you have to create a business. And that's what I had to learn. That was the hardest lessons. 
Do you remember what kind of revenue the shop did in year one? I don't know the revenue of 2014. You probably didn't even track it. <laughs> there was probably no, no quick no. books. You're just kind of hanging out and going, we got to pay that bill today or something. No, we always, when I started the business in 06, we started with QuickBooks. I didn't have a shop management system. So always very much knew the numbers, but I, it was, I was doing the business to navigate time, not as much to generate huge revenues and profitability. It was, can I generate enough to manage life at the time? But um, in 2015, I actually came across a budget the other day in my notes on my phone. Okay, so you, you always go back and review your notes. And we were trying to get to 690,000 in 2015 with three or two and a half technicians, you know, me working in the shop part-time, two technicians and one person up front. And um, I didn't go back and look and see if we actually achieved that goal or not. But um, that was, that was the budget was $691,000 for 2015. All right. So this, episode is airing, you know, mid-year 2023. If you're listening in the future, hi, I hope we're doing okay. Uh, but, you know, that's when it's airing. So uh, let's talk about uh, where you're at now. I mean, what what kind of revenue did the shop do in 2022? What have we graduated to at this point? So with adding the staff that we currently have now, you know, we really assembled a great team and they're super efficient. Um, they did over 1.7 last year. In revenue, and this year they're they're even reaching higher goals than that. Um, we're very blessed with lots of new clients that have decided to use our services um, through marketing and through you know consistently in our our service our our quality. But um, it's led us to be able to consider a second location, and this location we actually looked at in 2019 and it wasn't available at the time and just happened to be at the end of 20 it came back available um, a gentleman bought it and we've been in you know contact with them and we've worked out a lease and we're taking over this facility and doing a bunch of rehab to it currently um, it'll probably be nine bays and um, we'll run our apprenticeship program through there also excellent what's what's our open day of the new shop when are we opening it it's pending permit um, for the construction, so I can't come up with a hard date, but we're hopeful for um, the middle of July. Excellent. And Okay, let's talk about the shop number two. And I thought we could take a unique approach in, you know, in this conversation today for Near Me Radio. We typically talk to people that have, you know, a few locations or one location and they're kind of, you know, they're, they're running their business as usual with wherever they're at, but you're like in the middle of launching a new shop right now. So this is very, you know, all top of mind, all the steps you're going through. Uh, and maybe that can be helpful to our single shop owners specifically that are looking at shop number two, all the experiences you're having. I mean, this is all happening in real time. You may forget about this in, you know, September because you're well on your way with shop number two. So let, let's talk about um, the challenges. So let, let's talk about the challenges you're having in, in this second location right now? What are obstacles, um, you know, that you're experiencing? So there, there actually, there's many, and you have to be 
very aware and keep top of mind all of the different aspects of starting a business. And then if you're doing a, a ground up, you have to think about all the procurement of your equipment, all the systems that you're going to transfer if it's your second store, but then placement of the equipment, you know, how are you going to run this lean? And then how are you going to assemble a team to keep it lean? Um, and lean, I'm meaning, you know, count your steps. How far does it take to get to something? How are you going to stage cars? How are you going to stage parts? How are you going to stage um, your uniforms? And just how many computers you're going to have? Um, what's your network capabilities? There's there's so many different pieces. Your signage, your marketing, um, your demographics, your vehicle demographics, your median age of vehicle, your median age of customer, um, median income, median housing, um, yeah, just all the different components of research that you need to do before you sign a lease and certainly before you go into business there. Um, you know, again, we started looking for properties for our second store in 19 and honestly, we weren't ready for it. Um, I didn't know what I know today and financially we weren't in a position that we would have made it through COVID. Honestly, it, it probably would have taken the entire organization down had we jumped into a second store too soon. Um, Aaron Stokes is my coach, but he, he talks about being on preparation road or preparation lane. And then you have opportunity street and opportunity Avenue and opportunity road and opportunity lane, uh, highway. And then all of a sudden you get to opportunity interstate. And if you've been on preparation lane long enough, when opportunity interstate hits, you're going to know it, you're going to be prepared for it and you'll be able to action on it. And that's the biggest thing that I would relay out to your audience is make sure you keep preparing, even though you're going through, um, adversity or obstacles don't quit in preparing for the opportunity that's going to present itself when the time's right. Excellent. And you talked about, um, you know, knowing had you have done it, you know, pre COVID and three through COVID, it would have been challenging, but what made you decide what were the triggers that made you say now is the time I, I feel we're ready. Now you talk about, you know, what Aaron Aaron's story there about preparation lane and opportunity interstate and everything. What made you believe that now was the time? Why is now the right time? What have you done to prepare to be ready for now to be the right time? The biggest piece is having a solid team that believes in your vision and is working the processes consistently in your absence. Because if you are still required to answer lots of questions. If you're still required to do lots of backup or support in store one, one, you won't be able to stay focused on all the decisions that have to be made on store two. And second, when you're needed at store two and then required to be at store one, you can't be in two places at the same time. So you have to make sure that you have the right people in place that you've empowered and delegated to and trusted with store one, which for a lot of auto shop owners, it's, it's their baby. And they have a lot of emotion tied to it, but you can't do that and step into store two because you're, you're 
you'll leverage both of them against each other and um, you won't be able to care for both of them the same way. So you have to have people that can also care for them. You included me in the process. I, I saw some of the other, you know, some of the options and things you were looking at along the way. And and then this became available. What about this option? Because there was other options, right? I'm aware of that. You looked at some other things over time. Absolutely. To say, Should I do this? Should I do that? Um, so there's a decision process you make, right? There's things that you you pass up on. You go, maybe not the right time. This isn't the right one for me. What made this one the right one, and what makes other what made other ones the wrong ones? So again, studying the market, but. Because we want to do an apprenticeship program, I knew I needed a shop that was large enough to accommodate that. Coming from a small store, you realize that you have to carry enough staffing to support the, the team. If you don't have enough staffing, then when someone needs a vacation or if they need to be off with their family or heaven forbid something happens, you know, they end, end up with an injury or an you know, they end up COVID happens and they have to take off for two weeks because of that. You don't have enough staffing to cover your market that you've attracted to your store. If you have a two man team in a three bay store and one of those team members goes out, you just lost 50 percent of your capacity. In your team and the same thing with your front staff, if you have two people up front running you know, overseeing three people, which is, that's heavy coverage. Then if you lose one of them, you're down 50% of your sales or your phone answering capacity. Or if you want to protect your team, which is my goal, I want to create an environment that my team can be successful. And if the team's successful, then the company will be successful. You have to make sure that you have the right pieces in place, the right team members in place, so that you can have a strong support staff for the team that you have in place. And then they ultimately will support your customers who have come to rely on you. If you get that out of whack, if you don't have enough support, then people get stressed, they get burned out, they take that home and it changes their hours outside of work. Where is the new shop? What's the, uh, we can talk about the address, I imagine, at this point. Is that okay? Sure, absolutely. City? Um, it's, it's located in Easton, Maryland. Um, it's, the location has actually been auto repair since the early 70s when it was built as a Goodyear store. Um, it's, the address is 230 North Washington Street, and it's uh, down in the heart of Easton. Um, it's a great location. Uh, we're so looking forward to um, serving that community, and we're involved with Classic Motor Museum from St. Michael's, Maryland, and their apprenticeship program, which was registered with the state of Maryland. Um, we actually just did a hiring event there. We had 30 people come and you know learn about the vision of Choice for Automotive, and then you know certainly in that community, um, you know, we just we want everybody to live up to their potential and nobody to um, go out with spare potential. Hopefully this uh, shop is going to be able to be a anchor for people to do that from. And the, the original shops in Davidsonville, what's the distance between the two shops, Rob? The distance is 47 miles. So it takes a little less than an hour. Um, it's more than you would typically want your second store to be. 
the irony of this is I actually have childhood roots in both towns. Um, I come from a split home and went back and forth between Easton and Davidsonville Edgewater area as a kid. Um, so and went to schools in both areas. I have friends in both areas. So it's, it's almost like reliving my childhood. It's kind of interesting, but, um, being able to serve both communities and build teams in both communities is really re rewarding to me. So I'm, I'm very excited about it. And my team is too. In our early conversations, which I know you recall. <laughs> oh, um, I do. Yeah. <laughs> you have very big goals, right? I do. And you know that your pal Ryan and the team at Leeds near me and your extended friends and family partner businesses are all behind you. We got you. But um, so what have we learned? I mean, really, in those early days, I think I talked to you, but let's get to number two. And then, you know, we, we expand beyond there. So now, thinking of 10, thinking of 20, I mean, how are we feeling in this process? I mean, are we going to expedite this next time? Have we learned a lot so far? Do you want to maybe only stop, you know, stop at two now or talk to me? No, we've learned an enormous amount. And the biggest thing that I've learned is you need to have, you need to have home base and a small store is too small to be home base. You can build a very solid business there, but to build an organization that can support and create a legacy for all the team members involved, you need a larger base. And this is what I believe Easton's going to become for us. That's going to be the hub. And then all the other opportunities that can come off of that will, you know, you have home training grounds and then you go out into the field. Um, would have loved to have done that with the Davidsonville store. And we've run, you know, two apprentices through there and with great success. Um, but the store in Easton has, um, the footprint to where we'll be able to do that with a lot more um, growth opportunity for the, the individuals. Uh, and as far as growing beyond that, the lessons that we've learned in my mentoring group that I affiliate with, this the third, fourth, fifth, sixth stores should, um, we have the sizing mapped out. We have the tooling mapped out. We have all these different um, requirements to do a successful um, business model. And I'll let you know in a few months if it's gonna be a successful business launch, but um, we've, we're prepared as best as we can. And um, there's a lot of guys that are looking to move on to retirement or bigger aspirations or different aspirations in their later years. They've been shop owners for a very long time. And my hope is to partner with them and, you know, potentially carry on their legacy, but with the choice or branding behind it. Um, if those opportunities arise, um, you know, people in this industry, they, they love working with people and they've been doing it for many, many years, you know, some 30, 40, 50 years but yet they don't have anybody to pass their business on to. And uh, hopefully we'll prepare ourselves to be that, that uh, organization that can take and carry on their legacy. You said something interesting that I picked up 
in, in your last story you told us there. You said, if it's a successful launch, and I'm not saying doubt, but I'm saying you're in motion right now. And even, you know, you're still going through, you know, if it's successful, if this works out and everything. And that's, that's telling, you know, here we are in the midst of launching a new shop. I mean, it's not open, but it's certainly far from an idea right now. We're way down the road. You've been texting me pictures of, of the build out and everything going on. So we're way down the road in this thing, but I want, I want to, you know, key in right now on what you thought of when you said that. What is your challenge today? What's bugging you today in this? I mean, what is the thing that kept you up last night about this new shop? I mean, what's bugging Rob Choicer about the new location today? So it's all about people. And again, we had a very successful um, recruiting um, event just two nights ago. And that was very inspiring. You don't know until you do something like that. But I know that we need to assemble a team kind of overnight. So I took my time in the emergency medicine services and fire department. And then also lots of conversations I've had with military personnel and how they've built strong teams, leadership with those amongst you know all my shop owner friends who are very successful in their team building. And you know, how do you assemble a team overnight? Well, you really need to have a one-to-many conversation about what the goals are, what the vision is, and how we can work together to accomplish it. But if we don't work together, we will not accomplish it. So when I say if it's a successful launch, it's there are a lot of variables. We can do all the right marketing. We can do all the right messaging. We can do all the right hiring. It's like putting all the ingredients for a recipe in the bowl mixing it all up. But if the electricity goes out, you can't cook it in that oven because it's not going to warm up. If the you grab the uh, wrong spice, it's not going to be the same recipe. So because this is the first time we've assembled something of this size, but then also I went from a solarpreneur and then grow, grew very, very slowly into the operation we have in Davidsonville. Now we need to take what we've learned, all the lessons of being in Davidsonville, all these peaks and valleys and hurdles and barbed wire and swamp pits and, you know, all of it. And we need to take all of those lessons and put them into a small package, deliver them in a clear message to our team and to our prospective clients and say, this is what we do. This is how we do it. This is why we do it. This is what it means for you. And when we deliver that, it has to be received well. Absolutely. So that's where the if comes back. It's not that you know, we will do it. It's if it's a successful launch, not is it a successful business. It will be a successful business. It's whether it's a successful, smooth launch. I've, I've heard many stories, you know, guys that are super prepared and they go into it and they don't get the traction that they thought they would. So I'm going into it knowing that that's a possibility, you know, success leaves clues, but it also um, can create, you know, sometimes it takes a little bit longer to launch. So we want to be prepared for that, but we're very hopeful that it were well received and that we can really bring our services to this community and to, you know, on the, the employee side as well as the customer side. 
you know, every shop owner we talk to talks about customer service and talks about employees. You stand out, though, to me uh, amongst many, if not most, shop owners with your commitment to customer service. It seems to come up in every conversation we have about, you know, your commitment to your customers and also your employees. You know, employee well-being, you know, enjoying their jobs and their lives. This is of great importance to you. Talk to me about your your customer service philosophies and your, you know, employer employee philosophies, what you're like as a boss. And because that seems very, very, and again, it's, I know it's important to everybody. If you're listening, I know it's important to you, but when I talk to Rob, it always is highlighted. And I don't know if you noticed in these stories he's telling, he's always talking about people. He's talking about the people involved in it and the team building and the, and, and, and this is a big deal for all of us and all of our businesses, but um, it comes up more with Rob. So I'd be curious to know your philosophies, your thoughts on it, and uh, and talk a little bit about it. Well, so many of us put glass ceilings on us. We put glass ceilings on ourselves based on what we've been through, all the experiences we've had up until today. And I've been taught and mentored personally that there's so much beyond that glass ceiling that you put on yourself. You know, my three base door, I had put a cap on it. I, this is as far as it can go. And all of a sudden you assemble the right people and give them the right support and tools. And they take it two levels beyond that. It's really, really remarkable. But that's, I believe that's in automobiles. That piece of equipment has much more potential and lifespan in it than people believe it does. I think that every individual, you know, most people are good and they have more potential than they give themselves credit for. But we get caught up in the day to day. We get caught up in the marketing that can sometimes lead us astray. And nobody talk. I've been told so many times, nobody talks about vehicle ownership and the um, the personal impact that it has on people, be it the technician, the service advisor, the parts person, the shuttle driver, the brand new driver, the getting out of college driver, the brand new parent driver, the new newlywed drivers, the retiring drivers, the um, senior drivers. Cars affect everyone and the stress that comes from losing the freedom of transportation or the confidence that you have in that, it personally, it causes a stress. And what do we do when we're stressed? We make rash decisions. Ultimately, they impact your finances, which also create a stress. And this cascade of um, unnecessary burden ends up affecting your life and decisions that you make. So I like to get to sources versus symptoms. If you treat sources, then the symptoms go away. So what is the source of the stress in the workplace? What is the source of the stress in the consumer in our industry? When you get to the sources, you can eliminate the symptoms and then it becomes a much more pleasurable experience for everybody involved. 
So does that apply both to the customer and to the employee? It does. It does. You know, I've been asked many times, how do you get your shop to be so efficient? Well, we look at it actively, not passively. You know, we, we actively look at, okay, what's in our way? How can we make this better? What are our pain points that we encounter throughout the day? And as you start to identify them and get to the source of where is this pain coming from? Where is this stress coming from? Where is this um, adversity coming from? Then you eliminate that source, you get it out of your way, and now it's not there tomorrow. And that process over and over and over and over again, it creates its own little bit of stress. But as you eliminate the other stressors, it makes your day really, really nice. Um, my team continuously tells me as they're having record weeks and months and quarters, it's easy and we still have more, we have idle time. I, it, they're creating that. I just created the environment. Like I said, I ha I'm not there often because we needed to separate myself from the daily operations so that we could consciously say, okay, we can do a second store. But it comes from good leadership. It comes from good delegation. But the biggest one is understanding that every member of that team, every member is just as important as the other. And they're all interdependent and relying on the other one's success and their activities, which help them be successful. I'm betting that some members of your team or teams uh, will listen to this podcast. What might they say about you if I were to say, tell me about Rob, what's it like working with him? I, I you know, I get the, uh, the, the picture and the vision of it. What, what are the, you know, what are your folks like and what might they say about working with Rob? He's intense. <laughs> He's real. Everyone on my team has seen me cry. But number one, I have their back. That's, I believe that is what has enabled this team to be so solid and so supportive of each other is because they understand that no matter what, I have their back. And I take that very seriously. You know, you think about, I'm just the roots of this organization at this point. And they're now the trunk. And now we're building branches. And they're going to create leaves and fruit. And all this is going to nourish itself if we do this properly. It's really the tree of life. But if you don't have good roots, you can't create a good trunk. And you definitely won't have strong branches. And you're going to fall over. So you talk about how slow we've gone to get to this second store. We have, and each one of those lessons, each one of those stores I've investigated, some of them all the way down to, you know, a signature on the lease and the, the loan documents. There's just something that stood out or something that one of my mentors pointed out to me that I was blind to. Say, like, huh, I hadn't thought about that, but thank goodness I didn't. I didn't take those stores because they weren't what they were an opportunity. They were an opportunity street. They were an opportunity Avenue. They may have even been an opportunity highway, but they weren't opportunity interstate. They weren't the opportunity 
that I needed next. They may be the opportunity I need after this one, but they weren't the opportunity I needed as store two because they weren't of the right footprint. They weren't of the right location. There was obstacles that would have been ultimately burdens to the growth that's required to get to the level of organization we're trying to get to. You know, I'm very proactive. We're, we have remarkable benefits for a company our size. Um, and with that become, you know, comes a lot of overhead, comes a lot of load. <clears throat> you can't cover overhead and load if you don't have proper uh, profitability. You can run yourself out of cash really quickly. And if you don't understand those lessons, if you haven't had the conversations, if you do not know your numbers, you cannot do a second store. That's bottom line. You have to understand your numbers 100%. You also have to understand um, how to study markets, how to, you know, or have people on your team that understand and have can have a conversation with you. So you don't know how to figure out how to find out what your market is, but you have to understand and have a conversation about what the market is. You know, it's, it's, there's a book called who not how, and if you surround yourself with the right who's, you don't have to understand how to do it. And then you have to humble yourself enough to hire people that are smarter than you in those different areas of business. When you get to that, that's when you really start to get traction and can um, make better decisions because you're not caught up in the emotion of the lessons. You get caught up in the data of the, um, of the truth. Excellent. When you talked about uh, what your team thought of you a minute ago, you know, you said intense, you said they've seen you cry, you have their back. I think even though on this slightly blurred screen I'm looking at you through, I think you got a little emotional during that. I think there was some emotions that popped out, like just thinking about the team and talking about these people um, is emotional for you because of how much you care, right? Oh, yeah. You know, I, I definitely care about each one of our team members and each one of our customers. You know, these are these are families. These are people that are struggling just like you and me. They're making good decisions. They're making bad decisions. They're going here. They're going there. Some are more fluent. Some are lesser fluent. But they're, we're all human beings trying to get through this journey of life. Um, you know, we have four registered trademarks. I actually did a, a podcast with Ratchet and Wrench, and Chris asked me lots of questions about the trademarks. And one of our trademarks is the road of life. And if you think about it, we all are traveling our road of life and we do it through automobiles. When we lose confidence in our automobile, we look for an opportunity to replace it. We look for a shop to repair it, but we're not quite sure what we're getting. It's like finding another doctor. I don't know if he's telling me the truth and not telling me the truth, but doctors, they have clear criteria of to, you know how to treat you and what what's good and what's bad, what's good blood pressure, what's bad blood pressure. We don't have a lot of that in this industry and we definitely don't have a lot of that cohesiveness within our own shops. When you, when you can put something together that creates 
cohesiveness and congruency in your organization throughout your entire team, you build a really strong team around that. It's foundational and it acts as a cornerstone and bedrock for everything else that you build. I believe that if somebody's listening to this right now and it's late 2023 or late 2024 or 2025, they will Google the new location of Choicer Automotive Services and they will find it to be well there and a great success. I'm convinced that the new shop will do extremely well. Uh, and, and really, thank you so much for sharing your story and the journey to shop number two right now and all of your insights uh, on customer service and everything beyond. Rob, thank you for being on the program today. I'm very, very grateful you were here. Thank you so much, Ryan. You know, I, I appreciate everything you guys do for us. And, um, you know, I'm just grateful for the opportunity. Thank you very much. Rob Choicer here on Near Me Radio. Have a great day. Thank you. Take care. The tech shortage problem is not going to solve itself. That's why it will take organizations like APAC ATI to emerge with solutions that will bring relief for shop owners. APAC ATI is a nonprofit organization that helps veterans, the recovery community, formerly incarcerated persons, and those who need a second chance and a shot at their dream career as a skilled automotive technician. They offer no-cost training and a hand up for anyone willing to do the hard work it takes to learn to repair every vehicle the right way. APAC ATI, educating and empowering skilled labor and making a difference. Learn more about the program or sponsor a new student at APACATI.org. That's A-P-A-C-A-T-I.org.